Hey, you want to hear some great news? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Stewardship of You. This is a Peak Energy Nutrition podcast. I'm your host, Greg Darley. Now, we spend time every week with leaders, experts. We're talking about this idea of how do we steward ourselves, right? We're talking about our energy, our health, stress, all these things that influence us because we've learned that it's difficult to do anything when you're low on energy, but especially leading. And so, I say this every week, you owe it to those you lead and those you love to bring your best energy. Now, as a thank you for listening, uh, you can use the code podcast at peakenergynutrition.com. You get 10% off your entire order. Again, these are premium supplements to help busy leaders. That's peakenergynutrition.com and the code is podcast. All right, let's get to today's episode. Uh, Excited and honored to have a really good friend, Bill Clark, join us today. He is the Chief Advancement Officer for the A21 campaign. Um, before he was in that role, he served as Executive Vice President and some other senior positions, Advisor to the President at Fuller Seminary. And then he also spent nearly a decade working at the International Justice Mission based out of Washington, D.C., um, fighting different types of injustice and slavery. And so he is going to join us today. We're going to dive in um, as a warning. I don't know how this conversation is going to go, but I do know that some of the the stuff that Bill's done and, and what A21 and IJM in the past has worked on um, can get kind of raw. Uh, we're talking about human trafficking and those things. So just as a precursor, um, you might want to just um, be careful uh, listening to this episode. I don't think there's going to be much cursing. There might be a little bit, but it'll be a fun conversation. So, hey, Bill, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. Um, all right. So you've had just a, I mean, I don't know, an interesting journey. I mean, think about your career and again, some of the work you've been a part of. And I mean, I've you know been honored to to be a little bit of a higher Pass crossed a little bit uh, in yeah. the past with some of that work, but man, here's here's how I was, I was thinking about you know this conversation and, and again thinking about what A twenty one is focused on about a, you know abolishing slavery and and just the fact that there's still slavery in the world. I, some people might hear that and like you know be shocked, and other people you know kind of you know understand. Yeah, I've heard that or kind of know what's going on there. So here's kind of what I was thinking it to really kick off the conversation. When, uh, as again, we, we're, we're talking about how do leader, leaders steward themselves. The thought was this was, man, I'd love for you to dive briefly into the, just the realities of, you know, human trafficking, what it's like, um, you know, and, and, and really as, as you're talking about fighting that and trying to stand up against that, thinking about the stress involved with that, you know, just the, the, the pressures of that. Cause I mean, Hey, stress is on an all time high, right. You know, for many leaders, you know, they feel stressed, they feel overwhelmed. We've, we've been talking about that a lot uh, on, the, on some previous episodes, um, how to mitigate that and stuff. But so the idea would eventually get to, okay, we're working on something really stressful and hard. You know, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with that? And again, not like in a guilty or like, you know, one up way, like my job's more stressful now that uh, it, it really is. But man, talk about just the realities, you know, of, of what's facing the world today. And then let's talk about what A21 does and, and your work. And then I want to get to, okay, practically, man, like talking about the stress and the guilt and the rest that's required to do that type of work. So that was a long setup. So anyways, start, let's start talking about, again, talk about the realities of, of what's facing the world today. Yeah. So I would say human trafficking 
Um, it is modern day slavery. Uh, it's a global crisis. There's more people enslaved today than any time in human history. Um, some different estimates, uh, more, most common estimates, about 40 million people are enslaved in a form of either labor or sex trafficking. Um, so definitely a huge crisis, it's a $150 billion industry. Um, uh, it's a criminal enterprise as you try to take it on. Um, unlike hunger or other causes, it fights back. Um, and so uh, definitely a huge challenge. Um, I think in terms of facing it, I think it, it does create uh, some stressors in some different areas. Uh, one is um, the, the details of how people are trafficked, like what that experience of like is as uh, evil as you can imagine. Um, I remember one particular story of um, slave owner who poured kerosene on one of the slaves' arms and then lit it on fire just simply to say to all the slaves, don't ever disobey me or run away, or this is what I'll do to you. So really graphic things that happen to folks who are in slavery. So one of the stressors is a secondhand trauma, um, like just knowing the details of, of what people do to other people again can create secondhand trauma. So that's just one thing um, I think you have to, and I can talk about that in a little bit of like how to address that, but that has become an issue for especially those staff who are closer to the work uh, in their particular roles. I think the other challenge with facing um, something like human trafficking, something like a global crisis, uh, is just that there's always more work to be done. Like, um, and you're in a fight, uh, mostly we're trying to do, whether it's A21 or IGM, is build a movement big enough to hit a turning point where you can then um, actually abolish it. So we're not trying to make things better, we're actually trying to like end it. Um, and that's, uh, you can feel obviously your work is never done. And here's the other challenge with that is the people doing it with you are super intense. So the people who get drawn to this kind of work, and you were there with me, we were at iJam, we're intense human beings, which is like super awesome and fun and makes it really energetic. And then we can also like become super driven and almost inspire each other. It almost becomes like uh, the more driven you are, it's like a, it could be a badge of honor in a sense, in a, in, especially in fighting something so important to fight. So that's another issue. Um, and I think the other reality is in the midst of that, you're just a leader managing people and having the day-to-day -day stressors of like being a leader and raising money and leading people and doing management stuff, trying to figure out strategies. So you have just the regular stressors of, of being in leadership. So um, let me speak a little bit about response to each of those things. I think with the secondhand trauma we learned about, and this is more from my experience at IJM, is we need to be careful what details we share with people. Um, and so we actually started pulling back. Uh, we don't need everybody on the team to know every detail of how someone's been abused for us to go address that issue or to rally um, people to partner with us in the fight. So we started realizing, wow, we're actually causing secondhand trauma by just sharing a bit too much with our own team. So we pulled that back, which actually made a big difference. And then we actually talked about secondhand trauma because the thing about it is, you kind of feel stupid having it because you're not the person being enslaved. You're not the person being harmed. And yet it is impacting you because you're hearing these graphic details. It does affect you, affects your soul. And, but you feel guilty to actually feel anything because you're not the person who's been 
abused or taken advantage of. And so, so then if you don't talk about it, people feel thrashed and then they feel guilty for being thrashed. And so they, even their likelihood of getting help um, is more unlikely. And so just having, having like talking about secondhand trauma, how does it actually work? How do you actually do really practical things to relieve that stress um, so that you can release in healthy ways versus having it build up? Um, and it is something in secondhand trauma that it does build up like it's a little drop at a time. It's not like you hear one story or saw one instance and it happens entirely to you. It's one thing and then another thing and then another thing. And then eventually that sponge can't hold any more water. And so just trying to catch it early on and talk about it and talk about health was a big part of what we tried to do um, towards my later time at IGM uh, and some of the staff responsible for that. So. Bill, what does that like practically look like? Cause I mean, I can, you know, it's the, the, it's the death by paper cuts, right? It's like, Oh, it doesn't, you know, it, it's not at first, it's not much it's kind of snowballs. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're numb or it's like, wow, I'm just like, I'm moody all the time or worse. So it's like, I mean, you know, it could grow into anxiety or other things. And we've talked a lot about that on the show before, but what, so then what practically, okay, you know, Hey, we're, we're, we're sharing it less, but especially for those that are, you know, that actually are in the know and need to be in the know. And, you know, there's a yeah. lot of exposure to it. Practically, what is it looking like to, to deal with that? Right. You know, one insight I had just for myself is like, you've got to kind of have a leverage how you're wired towards health. So just for my own personal experience with this, like, um, I'm a very driven person. I just am. And that's how I'm wired. And for a long time, I was like, I need to stop being driven. And that, like, I just can't. That's who I am. I'm an achiever. I'm going to go get things done. And then someone gave me this real insight, like, well, instead of trying to not be driven, why don't you apply your drivenness to something healthy? Like a drivenness towards friendship, a drivenness towards like um, finding things that uh, relieve stress in your life with that certain types of exercise or, or finding ways to grow like that um, or non-work related ways to grow your mind or thoughts or things. And that was so incredibly helpful. So for me, it was just shifting that of saying like, Hey, um, I both need to exercise and I need to invest some friendships or not in work. So I started recently playing until the pandemic hit pickleball, which is uh, a hilarious sport. I'm 52 and I guess it's really a sport for like fifties to like eighties of who's out there. But you know, I feel kind of like it's for people wow, older than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel very much like I've entered a new era of being old by playing pickleball, but great thing to both exercise uh, and then be with friends. And I did precise like, Oh, what are, what do I want to learn? Is there some master's level sort of courses I could take and start doing that? But it was freeing to say, I don't have to stop being driven. I just need to apply my drivenness towards health. Um, and, it, and it's all these little things, in the same way that the secondhand trauma is these little drops of water into a sponge, I think in the same way they get relieved. Uh, not in some massive way, but in sort of like anything you can do to like, do something that's refreshing to your body or mind or your soul, even like pursuing some different, um, exploring some courses in conflict analysis uh, and resolution. I love that topic. Just reading about that topic, like gives me life <laughs> and it's not my work. Um, and so just finding those things that kind of, um, that give you life and pursuing them with that same, however you're wired to leverage your wiring to pursue those things. Um, and for me, that's helped a lot and created um, 
a lot of wealth. And then I, and I'm not wasting time trying to not be driven because I just am. Um, I'm trying to be just not have it all be towards work. Um, and so, so that's one way. And I do think like for folks, like I do think counseling is helpful. Like if you're especially in a particular job, I did therapy for a while. Like it's really helpful to have somebody and then there's no like amazing wisdom the person had, but it was a person to process things with that was not related to me or <laughs> not a coworker and just to process it. So I think that there's others where practical things like uh, getting counseling, just to talk those things out and have a place to process it um, is super helpful. So I'm stealing the leverage how you're wired towards health, by the way, that's going to be like my new, <laughs> that is awesome. I'm stealing <laughs> that. Um, so it's all yours. If anyone hears that, I came up with that, not Bill Clark. Um, <laughs> so one of the things you were talking about there towards the end, and that was actually on my list of, of potential questions here, was this idea of, you know, unplugging, stepping away, or, you know, turning it off, you know, because when you're driven, but even if you're not like the crazy type A, you know, goal setting, check everything off the list, but even if you're just bought into a vision that's important, right? There is sometimes it's just hard to, to, to step away because it's like, hey, this is a really important vision, right? You know, we're, fill in the blank. We're trying to accomplish that. But when it's something like this where the vision is such a terrible problem you're trying to solve, there's this level of guilt of, hey, I need to keep working 24-7 because every moment I'm not working, someone is stuck in slavery, right? I don't, most people don't are at that level. Uh, uh, but I think the, the principle is here. So how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you uh, find that balance of, hey, yeah, we need to work hard. But the reality is, is if we work 24 seven, we're actually going to be hurting the vision eventually, you know, at some point, there's got to be right. diminishing returns. So like, how do you how do you how do you like coach your team through that? Or practically, have you done that? But then you have some more yeah. practical tips of, hey, here's some things that we need to to bake into rhythms or schedules so that, that we mm-hmm. we don't because eventually, right, what, what's gonna happen is burnout. You know, it's the, you know, it sounds, I mean, that's the, oh yeah, burnout. But it's like, no, that's real, <laughs> especially right. when it's, when it's really hard. So address those. Yeah. Good, good questions. Um, and there are seasons where things are more full. We pivoted at age 21. We did this walk for freedom, uh, this event to bring awareness about human trafficking in 500 communities in 52 countries in 2019. And you can't really gather people, right, for 2020. So we pivoted to a, a digital event um, that was a bit of a hybrid. It was like in small networks uh, and online. And uh, we were in 72 countries and we produced an hour broadcast. It was quite amazing. Um, it was so much work to do. And we felt like in the same way you're saying, like, um, we can't let the pandemic uh, keep up. Human trafficking is worse of the pandemic because of people's vulnerability has increased so we can't let our event not happen so but to actually pull out this other event it was so much work uh, and so important to do and so part of it is so there is that tension of like that really matters whether we pull up this other event whether 2020 becomes something where we lose momentum or we gain it and we ended up actually having twice as many people participate in 2020 and 2019 so the team pulled it off but there has to be like a give and take. Like it has to be when you pull it off that you take time off. Like you're working crazy hours leading up to it. It has to be that ability to like, like it, I think where organizations fail is when you 
something happens and you increase the level of work and intensity to accomplish that thing, which is really important to do, but then you stay at that level and you don't bring it down. You don't tell your team, hey, you've worked all these extra hours. You should take some time off and not even count towards vacation time. You've worked like, like how many hours have you worked? Um, and to give people some time to rest. And even, I think it matters what the leader says. Like, um, if the leader says, like, it is okay to take some time to unplug. And ultimately, like you're saying, if you burn out, the tough thing about burnout is you don't realize you're getting there to your probably past the point. And then it takes, I'm not burned out very much in the past in very significant ways. And then it takes months and months and months and months to come back from it. And so it's so like um, undermining to your vision. It's so like, it's the biggest, probably the biggest threat in the nonprofit space, not just human trafficking is nonprofit leader burnout. So it is, you gotta hold on to that. I think the other thing though, we have to be super honest with ourselves. Part of it too, is that our identity is sometimes too much wrapped up in what we're doing. So it's not just being pushed by the mission, but then our identity is wrapped up in it. So if it's going well, we feel better about ourselves versus saying, I gave it all I have and I have nothing else to give is okay. Like it's not entirely who I am. I, I am actually a follower of Jesus. I have an identity in God who loves me and I am whole apart from being part of something amazing, world-changing we're trying to do. To the degree which that line becomes blurred, and your sense of self-worth and value and importance is on how those things happen, I think it becomes very hard to do the rhythms. Um, you, hit the, you hit the goal, but you don't slow down because you're like, well, we could do more. And my identity is kind of tied to it. And it's a very subtle thing. Um, so I think just as important as this to take time off, it's also important to like um, realize that like, I'll give it what I have, but this isn't my movement, this is God's movement. And I'm a limited human being and I can only give as much as I can give and only God would want me to give. So it's even have your identity in that. Um, and, and, and maybe one last thing on that that's really important is sometimes leaders need to be very careful what they eat spiritually, meaning what they're eating is people's approval and people's affirmation for success. So you did more, you did more, you did more. So when it's time to rest, that approval is not there, that affirmation is not there. So if you're eating that all the time, you're like addicted to it. And that actually, I think, feeds the cycle of never stopping versus like when you hear those things, so acknowledge, oh yeah, I worked hard, but actually I'm not gonna take that and make that my identity where people thought I did a good job or achieved something. Then when you go to another season where you're resting, you don't need that affirmation uh, in the same way um, and therefore it enables you more to rest. So, so I think it's very sophisticated. All that to say, I think it's very sophisticated. It's a great question, um, but it's a multi-layered sort of answer of what's going inside, not just our actions, our minds, but in our souls uh, around these issues. Thinking about that approval, like what, I mean, it's, um, I heard Andy Stanley talk about that, kind of the idea of, again, that's, that's, that's an appetite. You know, it's one of those things and it's not, it's never satisfied, you know, it's like, I mean, hunger, right. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's never one and done, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's always going to be there. It's a limit. There's a limited time where it's, yeah, the, the hunger is quenched 
but then it's going to come again, you know? So it's one of those things that it is an appetite, you know, there's, there's not this long-term, you know, Oh, it's just done. You know, it's like, Oh, I hit this marker and now I'd never have to go back. It's like, Nope. You know, hunger's coming, you know, uh, winter's coming. It's, it's going to happen again. And that's really, that's, that's really great just to think through again, tying the, again, is, is the vision. <laughs> how are you connected to the vision? Right. Am I, am I a, uh, a leader of that? Am I, you know, I, I'm investing in that, and, and, you know, or am I tied to that, you know? And, and, and yeah, cause it's like, in, if, if you're resting and that's where, you know, one of the things I, I feel like, especially in the nonprofit space, there is a, uh, I've talked to, you know, friends that raise support, you know, so missionaries or campus ministers, different people, you know, if they have to raise money, there's a level of guilt you know, associated with then how they, you know, kind of live their life. So it's like, Hey, I'm raising money. And then it's like, can I go on vacation? Cause it's like, there's that guilt of, if I post a picture of I'm in Cabo and it's like, you know, you know, Tom and you know, Nancy are like, Hey, wait a minute. We, we support them. Like, are we paying for their Cabo trip? And there's just that awkwardness of like, yeah, but you know, there's this balance of rest. And so I feel like there's that guilt thing, you know, associated that with a lot of saying, Hey, I'm going to take some time off or I'm going to, um, you know, I, I'm actually going to sleep in on Sunday, uh, you know, or Monday or whatever it is, you know, instead of just kind of running on fumes. So, so you were talking about there, Hey, a lot of times with burnout, you get, you actually kind of pass the point of where you could potentially, I'm, I'm assuming what you meant was you get past the point where, Hey, you could, you could mitigate it or stop it or kind of back off the ledge. You, you've already gone over the ledge. You don't realize it. And so then you're going to have to deal with the consequences of that. Would you mind sharing kind of what, what were some of the things where, where you realized, Oh crap, I'm past it. Like that's, you know, it's, I, I can't go back. I'm going to have to deal with this and, and, and kind of process. What were some of those, you know, signs or, uh, you know, marks on the road. There's like, oh crap, I'm, <laughs> I'm burned out. <laughs> totally. I think my main thing is, um, you start losing a desire to engage. Um, like you're, it feels like you have nothing else to give and your job hasn't changed or your responsibilities. Um, and you're just kind of like, I guess the best way to put it, you're just trying to get through it. Um, I'm just going to try to get through it. I'm just going to try to get through it. And it, and it, um, but it does lead So instead of proactively, like the difference would be like you're leading a team. So proactively looking about your team to say, Hey, what is sort of the growth here? How can I help the green grow? You're thinking, what's the, how do I need to get through the next meeting? You know, um, how can I have other people do things? Not because I'm trying to empower them to do things because I don't have anything left inside of me uh, to give at that point. And so I do think it becomes, um, Obvious. Also, I, I think there is a way that we kind of say, well, it's, I just feel that way now, but once X thing is over, things will be okay. And then you kind of just cycle through that. I'm just trying to get through it. I think you just ask, especially if you're married, you just ask your spouse, I'll tell you about four seconds. Like whether you're engaged, present in that relationship, whether you have much, because that's where, at least for a lot of people, where they'll shortchange um, things is, well, I'll get in. I'm kind of thrashed, but I'll give enough to make it through work. But then at home, I'm short with people or I'm not present or those things. So I think for me that that's always that my family can tell you quickly my um, my health, level of health by how I'm interacting with them. 
Um, and, uh, but then I think my team too, I think the team can tell um, when I'm in that place. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so it's been a journey to kind of start um, putting up some more healthy things. Part of it too is not just like physically, but even emotionally, like realizing and I think it's a different journey for each person, but how I'm a very like intuitive person. So I feel everyone's emotions around me. So it can also be some of the help is for me was learning to say, I'm not responsible for everybody's happiness. Meaning I can see and feel everyone's going around, but I'm not, my responsibility is to play my role, whether it's with my family or at work and I'm not responsible. So it's trying to kind of like, uh, and in some sense, what are the lies that I believed about myself or about work or, or life or God that led me to be in a place of burnout? And what are kind of now truths in response to those lies? So part of it for me is there can be um, uh, disruption among a team, teammates, it can be all different things, but I'm not, like I will play my role in those things to help as a leader, but I'm not responsible for people's happiness, at least for me. And I think it's there for every person of what, leads them to um, a place of own health. But but part of undoing that is identifying, well, what led you there? Uh, what things you might um, believe they're just not true, they're leading to a place of, of unhealth. So. Have you ever had to deal with a teammate or whether it's someone that's, you know, kind of like on an executive team or someone that's worked for you that's dealt with that? So you, you look at, I mean, you're an intuitive leader, and so it's, hey, well, that person's burnout or man, they're, they are headed towards that. Like, have you ever noticed that? And if so, like, I mean, how did you intervene or what did that look like? Yeah, that's great. Question. You don't have to name names because uh, they might be listening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all good. Um, yes, I do see it with folks who are in this thing of like, Hey, I'm just working those 5 million hours just to get through this one project. And you know, and then it happens again and again. Um, I think if they're working for you, the tricky thing is it's, it's tricky to unwind a little bit because sometimes you're the one putting the things before them that's leading them to work so much or be so driven. And so it can't be this thing where you're telling on one hand, I get that thing done. Hey, I want you to rest. Hey, I want that thing done, but I want you to, it's like, and people, leaders do this all the time. Like, Hey, I want you to have a, like a really healthy balance. By the way, I need all those projects done today. You know, it's like, well, it's a give and take. So I think part of it is creating a dialogue with your team of like, hey, like I see like you're working like, you know, an extensive amount of hours, which is there are seasons where it'll be fuller than other seasons, but is there a season where you see that that not being as much? And what can I do as your manager to help with that? How could we balance that load that you're carrying? Are there things that you're doing that you don't need to do? Like one person I worked with, it's like they just needed honestly to reorg a bit and have an admin assistant because there are things that they were doing that were not, they don't need to do. And that person though is gifted creatively and there's only things that person could do. I need that person just to do things they can do and not those other things. So sometimes I do that, but I do think it has to be a conversation of what the organization do to help that person lead. Now the person also choose to do it. That's the tricky part. You can't, that's what you have to understand is, it's also a choice inside of them. So you can create a healthy environment. They have to choose not to be driven and to choose health, to choose um, a healthier way forward. I think with your peers, you know, it's a different conversation. I think that um, 
the best approach I've seen with that is just to share my own experience. Like that's how they're doing. And if we have that kind of relationship to say, Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm trying to be healthy. And this is what I've learned about myself. I find that approach versus like, Hey, you seem very like on the road to burnout. I, I don't, think that conversation is going to go super well. <laughs> hey, um, you, you, you sound really jacked up the last few weeks. Like, you know, <laughs> you, you look terrible and you've gained a lot of weight and is everything okay at home? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so I do find it's just uh, one of the most powerful things we have is our own vulnerability um, and the ability to go to other people in conversation and share the things we've learned. But We've learned through failing, things we've learned through hitting the wall ourselves, and and we're and that we're part of this journey together. Here's some things I've tried to make it better. How's it going for you? And you know, so way I can be praying for you and all that. And and I find that in that way, people are very once they feel like this is a um, this is a mutual conversation of just being real. I find that people people typically people respond quite honestly back. And again, you don't have any. I believe it's all within them to figure that out. And then that journey, it's their journey. You can't go on it for them, but you can be a companion. Um, so. How, I mean, looking, thinking about how long you've kind of worked in this space throughout the years, I'm just curious, like how have you, have you stayed in it so long? You know, cause I know there's some, some folks, you know, it's, I mean, it's a short run cause it's like, man, it's overwhelming. I mean, you know, some, some, yeah some job categories, right? It's just like, man, the, you know, NFL running back, man, the shelf life is just not that long, you know, and, and yeah. you've been in a pretty hard category of work. So I'm just curious, like, as you reflect, like how in the world have you stayed in it so long and, and produced and contributed at such a high level? Yeah. I think that there was a, there is a critical uh, lesson I learned probably like um, some point in my career um, related to how to deal with like high pressure goals. Um, and um, I can remember a time where I kind of felt like those goals, whether they're like programmatic goals or financial goals, I could feel the like anxiety in my blood. Like I could look at the monthly goals. I could literally feel anxiety pulsing through my blood. And it, and I came to a place. I think everyone who actually is in super high pressure has very hard outcomes. Like, they're like you'll know if you hit it or not because it's a hard outcome. Um, and everyone will know if you hit it or not because it's like a number. Um, and I, and I think everyone in that comes to this place where you have to realize my job is not to prevent bad things from happening. My job is not to ensure I hit that number every single time because what you realize is there's so much of it that's not in your control. So my job is to lead in whatever happens. So I'm going to create the greatest plans I can to hit those goals. And the, as we go into the year, the world like this year, 2020 turns things upside down with the pandemic, or whatever, but that's just one of the many things that happens every year. So my goal isn't that I can control those things. My goal is but whatever happens i can lead so if we miss some goal we could think about hey what can we learn from that how do we reinvent x y and z if something we have these events we're depending on it to achieve some outcome okay those events are gone how could we reshape it my job is to lead it's not to control things 
And I, and just that honest, like acknowledgement, I only have so much control of the outcome, but I have all control of how I go after it. And that it, it feels like, and it feels like this super, like this simple nuance way of thinking about it. It literally went from me being like super anxious to being like, all right, let's go. (laughs) I don't know. We hit that. We missed that. We above that. But I know what we are doing is my team's going to go for it again today. And we're going to go for it the next day. And it just depressurized um, goals, targets, um, things. Um, and And I've watched other leaders after me who have gone in similar roles go through the whole thing. They look like they're going crazy with the pressure. And then they realize actually they have less control than they think. And it's all about how they're leading in whatever happens, hit it, miss it, whatever. How do I lead? Um, and it, it's, uh, um, you almost have to go through it to understand it, but, I, but I think it, um, uh, it's, it's the way to be in a job that's high pressure. So, yeah. <clears throat> so looking back, you know, I mean, you, you, now that you've entered the semi-professional pickleball league, you can look back and, and um, across the career, what is, you know, what are some other, cause that's kind of, you've kind of started to answer this, but any other kind of examples of man, Hey, you know, 20 years ago, here's what I did. Here's how I was living or leading. And, and if I were to go back, man, I would have changed this or that. What are some reflections on, Hey, here's how I could have, you know, led better. Here's how I could have dealt with that stress. Here's how I could have, you know, kept my energy higher or, you know, those type of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think part of it, you know, as many different answers, that's a great question. Um, I do think what our souls need. So talking from our faith perspective, I think what our souls need um, to be restored um, is intimacy with God. I don't think there's anything else that really refreshes our soul in a way. Um, and so I think part of like what, if I were to look back to go to back to myself, like, cause a lot of things I was doing was in ministry or faith-based organization. So I was pursuing things in the name of God, but I wasn't always pursuing God in it. Um, and very easy to kind of come, I think a lot of people who are in pastoral ministry, those lines get really blurred, um, between intimacy with God and, and then doing ministry, um, and somehow they're, they're, of course, they're interconnected in a way because that's what comes, you know, your ministry flows out of who you are. But there is pursuing God apart from anything you're doing. And after you die, that's all you'll do. You're not going to, like, you're just going to hang out with God. And, and so if you don't really enjoy just being with him apart from doing something or asking for something or looking for an answer for something just to be with him, eternity is going to be like a really long time for you because that's what the thing's about. The ball game is to be in this intimate relationship with God. And so I would say like in a very simple way, like, and Richard Foster has this great like centering prayer where you kind of release have your palms down, release everything to God that's weighing you down, turn your palms up to receive what you need to get all that out of the way. And then the rest of the prayer time is you're just enjoying his presence without praying anything, just being with God. I find the degree to which I can detach in that way and enjoy God apart from what I'm trying to accomplish in the world or um, just be with him, it's deeply refreshing to my soul. Um, So I would say that um, on a sort of practical level in terms of work, I do think like um, as I get older, I realize the value of just like, 
a couple of things. One is just setting time aside to not just get things done, but step back and say, what am I trying to accomplish this year? Even with work, you know, every practical way, like, like I think leaders spend very little time on strategy. Um, and we spend a lot of time on doing things. Um, we don't spend as much time on reflection, we spend on doing things. And I don't see that for like, so now you have better strategy. I say that for your mental health. Having a sense of reflecting of what you learned and then saying how you might shift or try things the next year will give you the clarity to approach your work in a peaceful way. Without reflection, you're just going to keep running almost like the hamster meal. I'm just going to go faster on the hamster meal <laughs> and hope more things happen that are good. Okay, maybe you shouldn't be on the hamster wheel. Like maybe there's another, like, another way to approach this thing. Like, so I do think having those times of reflection and stepping back to say, what are we trying to accomplish next, next season um, does clear your mind. Um, I think another thing I would say is, and all, everyone's wired differently, but I realized for me, like in the pandemic, I would use driving home as my way to debrief my day. But I didn't have anywhere to drive home now. Like, you know, walking to the living room and kitchen doesn't really count. <laughs> and so- That's a quick, um, that's a quick reflection right there. You got six right. seconds. <laughs> You're right. So I started like journaling of just, but not really journaling, it's just a raw download of every thought I have. I mean, it's the most ugly thing you'd ever read. It's just, but I just need to get that like, so I wish I could go back in time and tell myself like, are you like keeping inside everything inside of you? Or are you just getting it out? Even if you don't have to like have this like revelatory moment, are you just getting it out? So it's from the inside, it's getting out on paper. Then over time, I think again, that then helps to like, have some distance from those emotions and feelings to know what you actually think and what you believe, whether it's about your family or work or anything. Um, so those, I mean, those are some major things I would say, um, like pursue God apart from achievement, um, make time to reflect on what you're learning and what you want to see in the next season, apart from accomplishing things. And then, and then have a more like ritual of, just downloading your brain on a piece of paper uh, and your emotions. I mean, just to be honest, like I can't stand that person. Just write that out. Super healthy to get it out there. And then you can decide what do you do with that. But sometimes we don't even want, as a Christian, especially like we don't want to say, I really don't like that person. Well, just be honest with yourself. You don't like them. Now we still need to choose to love them, but just be honest with yourself that they drive you nuts. Um, and then you can actually figure out well, how God want you to respond to that. But if you just keep that inside of you, you're not that debriefing that getting out of your mind, then that could lead actually all a bunch of bad behaviors. It's probably going to come out at um, some point anyway, you know, and, and probably right. in, in, in the way you don't want it. I mean, that's the, the power of the draft folder on email too, right? right. I mean, yeah, get it right. out. And then before you hit send, I'm going to save that and read it tomorrow and see what do I still want to send this, you know? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, well, hey, I think that's a, a really good place to end. I mean, I've, I've got more questions and so I'm not going to ask them all. So that way I have to have you on again uh, to continue this, this conversation. But I think that's, I mean, just so many good, just golden nuggets in there. I mean, just so great. Um, and I appreciate obviously just the, um, you were talking about, Hey, just being open and honest as a leader, you know, so thanks for your vulnerability and, and sharing some of these things, super practical, super helpful. Where can people find you find the work that you're doing with a 21? How can they stay in touch, stay involved? Yeah. So h21.org. Um, and love you all to 
check us out what we're doing. And again, we, every October we have this big event. Um, uh, we'll go back to the walk in 2020. So walk for freedom. So if you want to engage your community in human trafficking, um, check out 821 and check out the walk. We'd love you to participate. Um, so it's great. And great. Thanks for having me on. It's a joy to connect with you again and, and grateful for the work you're doing to lead leaders into health. Cause I just think as I look back among everyone I work with and I've worked with in the past, it is the number one issue in terms of impact is how healthy is the leader. And it so impacts the teams that they lead. Awesome. Um, so appreciate what you're doing. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming. And everyone, we'll see you on the next episode. As always, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would share it with your friends. And if you really enjoyed it, leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever platform you're listening, that would be a huge help so that other leaders can find us and learn more about what we're learning about. And don't forget, you can get 10% off your entire order at peakenergynutrition.com with the code podcast, 10% off your entire order. And remember, you owe it to those that you lead and to those that you love to bring your best energy. We'll see you next time.